You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, so we are in our steward series. This is week three of four. And uh, like Aaron Couch said on week seven of his 31-week Acts series, uh, I'm not bored yet. <laughs> not bored yet. Um, you know, it's a four-week series. I could stay focused for four weeks. I know I can. But uh, we said there's these five areas that the scriptures tell us that we should steward. We got creation, and that's where it starts, right? Genesis, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Work was always a part of the equation. We think that the fall brought work. Nope, that brought toil. God always intended us to steward his creation. He always had work for us to do. Uh, the picture of us going to heaven and, and, and playing harps, uh, unless you're a harpist, that sounds like hell. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, but I guess we, we may need harpists in heaven, and if that's the kind of work that God has for you, praise the Lord. I like listening to it. Creation, we have resources, to, and 40% of, of the parables that Jesus talks, that shares, that we've been looking at, 40% of his parables are about stewarding resources. We're called to steward ourselves, and, and this really comes out of uh, 1 Corinthians 6, and, and, and Paul's primary uh, emphasis in that chapter is that uh, we should steward our sexuality. But, but he says, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so why wouldn't we apply that to the rest of our physical self? Why wouldn't we apply that to, to uh, my blood pressure? Why wouldn't we apply that to my emotional health? Why wouldn't we apply that to my mental health? And then relationships, we are to share, uh, Peter tells us, uh, the manifold grace of God with each other. How do we experience God's grace? It's primarily through relationships, and we should steward that. We need to steward our relationships. How, how are your relationships? How are your work relationships? How's your, how's your relationship with your spouse, your best friend? with your son or your, or your daughter, your mom, your dad, like some of those are challenging. Some of those are easy. That's, that's fantastic. But the challenging ones, it's not like we could just ignore some of those and focus on the rest. Like we have our part, right? And then the gospel. We are to steward the gospel. Paul says that consider us stewards of the mysteries of God. And so we have these five areas and, and we started with the parable of the talents. And uh, in the parable of the talents, we had the, we had the man with the five talents and then the, the man with the two talents and the man with the one talent. And we said that this is actually a very large sum of money. It's 
roughly 5 million, roughly 2 million, roughly 1 million. So, so don't feel sorry for that person with a measly million dollars to steward. Uh, that's, it's not chump change, right? And Logan last week looked, really looked at uh, the motivation behind that steward with the one talent and why, why he chose not to actually steward what was entrusted to him, why he chose to bury it and, and, and hide it. And uh, we talked about um, from Matthew, was it Matthew 6, uh, the idea of this good eye versus a bad eye. When you, when you hear good eye and bad eye, like we, we kind of go, oh, you know, Rob with glasses, Rob without glasses. And, and that's, that's one way of looking at that. Quite literally in the, in the Greek, the bad eye means it's really evil. Uh, in the Hebrew, Jesus would have said, ayin uh, tovah, good eye, as in God created creation when he made creation on uh Seven times he says, it is tov, it is good. Um, and ayin uh, ra, uh, evil eye. So when you, when you hear this, think in terms of Lex Luthor versus Spider or Superman. Lex Luthor versus Superman and how they would steward, how they would do as stewards. Luther. Lex Luthor would be the evil eye person, the person that is trying to consume, the, the, the person that wants everything for themselves. There's a selfishness. There's a, you know, versus Superman. He's always thinking about the world around him and, and other people and what are their needs and how do I, how do I help? Someone's looking to take one's looking to give. So th- think in terms of, of that. And, and I, I love what uh, Logan says that, you know, fear will impact our stewardship and really my relationship with the Lord and, 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 and in the ways that I fear him in the areas that I fear him. Cause and it's not going to be the same in each of these, some of these areas, some of these things I steward well, I don't experience fear. Other areas I do experience fear and it impacts my stewardship, but the, the antidote to fear is faith. But we're going to see this week and next week that, that, that fear is not the only thing that gets in the way of our stewardship. As we look at what else does Jesus say about stewardship? And so today we're going to be in, in Mark chapter 12. And we'll start in verse 38. In his teachings, Jesus was saying, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplace and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at the banquet who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers these will receive greater condemnation. Uh, the scribes will receive greater condemnation, not the long prayers. Uh, by the way, not all long people that pray a long time are being showy. Uh, 
some people just really like talking to God, and that's okay. Uh, Jesus prayed long enough for his disciples to fall asleep twice. So, so Jesus could pray a long time too. But we, Jesus says that, that there's five external displays, five things that, that to the external world, the scribes want to be seen. They want honor. Long robes, respectful greetings, chief seats, places of honor, and long showy prayers. Um, yeah, not, not there yet. That's all right. We'll get there. Um, I, I, I see there's five external, and then there, but the, the one that they do su- subversively, the one that they hide, there's no way that, that the scribes are going to devour widows' houses with everybody to see. That's, that's more of an internal, that's, that's something that they're going to hide. They're going to do that secretively. The other, the five things, and, and it's like they create their own currency. Let's go ahead and throw out that. So, you know, they were, go, they were told to, they were told to steward, Right? Stewardship was always part of the process. It was always part of the game. But they create their own currency. They're like, I don't, I don't want to be accountable to what God wants. I want, I want to receive my glory here and now. Remember in our parable of the five talents in the three, or five, two, and one, uh, there, the, uh, the judgment came at the end. The reward came at the end. We said that, that being a steward itself is a reward. The scribes, Jesus saying, they don't, they don't care about God's economy. They don't care about stewarding with the things that God wants. They want something here and now. And maybe that's why, maybe, maybe the devouring widow's houses is, is accidental. They're not even paying attention. See, the priests are the ones who are supposed to make sure that the, that the widows are taken care of. The scribes, the religious leaders, there's, they're the ones there to ensure that the widows are taken care of and maybe even just inadvertently because they're putting on this external show. We see, we see a, a couple within the early church try to put on this external show uh, in Acts chapter 5. A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? to lie to the Holy Spirit. Does God pay attention to these kinds of things? Absolutely. And keep back some of the price of the land while it remained unsold. Did it not remain your own? And after it sold, was it not under your control? Was it not under your stewardship? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart and you have lied, not lied to men, but to God. 
See, Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted this outward reputation of, of generosity. They had this, they wanted this outward reputation. This, they wanted to be seen as being generous. But inwardly, they were stingy. They, they wanted the people around them, see, all of their Christian brothers and sisters were responding to a very specific need. And they wanted to be seen like they were on board with everybody else. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm just as generous as, as, as my neighbor. They wanted to be seen a certain way. But their audience was the wrong audience. How has putting on a show for others impacted your stewardship? In what ways have you pretended you're healthy, but really you're unhealthy? Pretended you were kind, but really you had selfish motives. Pretended that your heart was whole. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. But inside, you're really dying emotionally. How have you acted like your marriage was great? But away from the crowd, it's constant conflict. See, there was a point in my life where I was unwilling to recognize, I was real unwilling to be honest with other people, let alone myself, with what was really going on in my world. I was, I was unwilling to ask for forgiveness because I didn't want to admit that I was wrong because I didn't want to look bad. <clears throat> Maybe that's why I like Roughly Right so much. Because I don't have to pretend. A pastor wives get it the worst, I think, within the church. Pastor kids, like people expect something different out of the pastor's family than they do for themselves. We're not going to, as a family, we're not going to hide the fact that we're roughly right. Because if we can be roughly right, then God could actually bring healing to that. If I'm pretending that I'm, I'm whole, how many times does Jesus say, well, your sin remains because you think you're not broken. You, th you think you got it all figured out. You suggest to the world that, that your life is peachy. See, it's only when we confess that we're broken that God can do something with that. It's, it's only when we go, I, I'm sick, I, I hurt, I failed, I was wrong. I don't know what to do with that. It's only when we do those kinds of things that God can do something with that. And so, you know, Mark, Mark uh, connects that, that, that teaching to uh, the next three verses, next four verses. And, and Mark says this, and Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money 
into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. All right. So they didn't have dollar bills back then, right? So it's not like, you know, that didn't make a, that didn't make a great show, did it? Mostly because I don't have very much money. But um, in that world, they had coins. And, and, I, and I think Jesus is watching these guys walk up and, and I'm picturing Vegas. I'm picturing when someone wins the jackpot, the jackpot on, on the slot machine and, and all the coins start dropping, ching, 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 and lights are flashing, you know, and everybody gets all excited for someone else because their money's just going in the machine. But like, I think that's what's happening. These people are, the rich are coming in they're, they're dropping in their bagfuls and they're, they're making sure that it, it echoes throughout the temple as they drop their coins. God hit the jackpot today because I showed up. I think that's what's going on here. And Jesus began observing. He's, he's paying attention. That should catch our attention when it comes to how we give and why we give. Because, let's look at the next couple verses. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And then look at these next few words. Calling his disciples to him. Peter! John! Come here! Did you see what she did? Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasure. Her two cents meant more to the Lord than all the other contributors combined is the sense that we should get. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned, all that she had to live on. That is faith. That is humility. Jesus just got done calling out the religious system that was intended to care for the poor, not look good in long robes, not have respectful greetings, not to have the most prominent seat, not to have long showy prayers. They were intended to take care of the people around them that needed it. Jesus has just called them out. And this woman, this poor widow, trusts that God can do, can, can meet her needs even through this corrupt organization, these corrupt people. She trusted that God can meet her needs 
even though the system was corrupt. I, I know that the church is roughly right, and I'm not just talking about Mission Ridge. I've been to all kinds of churches. I've seen all kinds of problems. Uh, I've been part of the problem sometimes. I've had to grow. I've had to learn. I trust God to work through his church regardless of those failings. And, and I know that some of you have been hurt within church, and it makes it hard. I know it makes it hard. Look, look beyond the church and, and see the God of heaven that can, can do what he wants to do regardless that God can meet your needs regardless of the failures of people. Now, I don't think we should stay roughly right. I think we should always look to steward all these things well. But it's all of us pulling together, working together that makes that happen. I believe we could create a different experience for people. And we should. She put her trust, her faith in God's kingdom, regardless of the players who were at, at, at play. She trusted Torah. Where the scribe created his own currency. He, he, she had a good eye. He had the evil eye. Because he didn't believe that, that, that God's attention was enough. Humility does not demand things to be a certain way. Humility says, I'm a steward, and that's my job. That's my role. My circumstances, I'd, I'd maybe choose them to be different, but I'm a steward. I'm a servant. Humility says, I trust your heart, God. I trust your heart for me. I trust your heart. And this is an area that I, I found as, as Logan talked last week, and he's like, in what way does fear play in your stewardship? I'm like, oh. I know where that lands. I know where I need some healing in my own heart to take place. Are you willing to go unrecognized as a steward? Are you willing to respect everyone else with your greetings? Are you willing to give up your favorite spot? Are you willing to honor the lowly? Are you willing to pray when no one around you notices? That's humility. 
That's the kind of stewards we need to be. Are you content with being a steward? Are you content with that? Is that enough? Is that its own reward for you as a follower of Christ? Because that challenges me. It challenges me. So some implications. Number one, God measures what is in your heart, not what's in your hand. Isn't that what the widow with a scent in her hands, her heart, outweighed them all. I mean, it's not like God needs our resources, right? It's not like he needs our tithing. He doesn't need us to show up for him to accomplish what he wants to do. Now, he is looking for faithful stewards, but he doesn't need what we have. He's the one that provides it. What's in my hand is in my hand because he gave it to me. He gave me the brains. He gave me the, the heart, the will, the natural abilities, the opportunities. He measures what's in your heart. And here's the really good news. There's been so many times where I needed God to heal what was in my heart because it was not good. The really good news is if you will just say, Lord, what's there ain't great. He could work with that. He could work with that. Number two, in stewardship, less is more. Less is more. Uh, you know, do you think that this world is designed to work with us in our stewardship or work against us in our stewardship? Do you think the advertising that we see on TV enhances our ability to stewardship or calls into question our desire to be a steward of God's kingdom? Do you guys know what the, uh, what the term planned obsolescence is? Everything that we buy today is designed to have a five-year life cycle and no more. Your car, your brand new car, you, you'll want a new one in five years. <laughs> I go to Walmart and, and, I, and I buy anything electronic. And they're like, do you, do you want a warranty for that? One, I would never remember that I bought a warranty. And two, I'd never want that thing that I just bought five minutes ago, a year from now. It, it's, it's everything that we buy in this world is designed like our cars, they, they crumple. Used to be you could drive down I-90 at 70 miles per hour, hit the uh, guardrail and keep going. I had friends in high school do it. I don't know why, but they did. You can't do that in today's cars. 
you hit that guardrail, you're done. You hit a deer and the odds of your car being totaled, a deer. You might need surgery in your right hand. (laughs) Maybe the simplest way to steward well is to learn to live with less. Not buy into what the world wants to sell us. Um, This one smarts as I preach it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. This one, this, this implication is painful because I like new. I like new shoes. I like new electronics. Just ask my wife. I like new cars. But if we decide to, as a people to live simpler, find ways to live simpler, we might find that we fill up the landfill less. And we have more time for our relationships. That we will be doing less maintenance of stuff and more investing in people and the things that we're going to have in eternity. Just, just a thought. Uh, implication number three, when you have the least, your faithfulness is the most impressive. That's when it's impressive. Ian Logan talked about this. Uh, you know, when, when I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to get my next meal, I don't care about taking care of the tree. Right? The people, the homeless people, they're not thinking in terms of by and large, they're not thinking in terms of how do I steward a land well? How do I make sure that this is a, like, you've seen under the reserve bridge. It's a mess down there, right? Sometimes, well, we think in terms of if I have this much, then I could be generous. And, and Logan talked about that last week as well. Your generosity doesn't typically change as your income increases. In fact, the odds are it, it, it declines. If, you, if I have 10 grapes and you come up to me like, can I have a grape? I'm like, yeah. If I have 10 oranges and you come up to me like, can I have, can I have an orange? Absolutely. If I have 10 bucks and you come up and say, can I have a buck? I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. If I have $10,000 and you come up and say, can I have $1,000? I'm like, I've got plans for that, folks. I got lots of plans. I have vacation plans. I've got stuff to do around the house. I got a new car I want to buy. Like, I got plans. What happened? And, and then within, within the church, I mean, like, guys, I'm so proud of you because we haven't always had a lot. We don't even have two TVs at work today. 
Come back next week. We might. Acts chapter 3. Peter sees a a man as he enters the, uh, the temple. The man's sitting there. He's begging. Uh, and, and the, and the, and the man wants, he wants dinero, right? Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazarene walk. This guys, Peter had nothing. All he had was the Holy Spirit. Do you know how many times I, I want to hide from a situation like that because I don't think I have the solution? Do you know how much courage it takes to engage when, when nothing within my power, nothing within my ability, my wallet just is insufficient? How much courage it takes to stay in the fight when you have almost nothing? Scott, probably about a year ago, calls me up one night. It's like 9, 10 o'clock is two hours beyond the time I usually answer my phone. He didn't have any answers for his friend. He said, can we go pray? I think I'm supposed to go pray. Will you go pray with me? Nothing to offer but the Holy Spirit, but God's presence. When I talked to Michael about heading up our our Ridge Kids, Ridge Runners ministry, I told him, I said, Michael, I'm handing you absolutely nothing. Nothing. I wasn't sure he was going to come back and say yes. I was so grateful that he did. If a family showed up today, we can actually do something in a positive way to minister to their child while they attend service. But Michael had, I gave him nothing. I gave him nothing. And stewarding ourselves. When you seek counseling, when you get help for your addiction, when you seek out a nutritionist, when you ask for prayer, when you confess your shortcomings, I find you impressive. God finds you impressive. Jesus notices. Last implication. The antidote to pride is humility. Last week's problem was fear. The antidote was faith. This week's problem is pride. And the antidote is humility. How do we instu- how do we steward creation or resources or self or relationships or the gospel well? It's by saying things like, 
I don't know what I'm doing. Will you help me? Oh, you guys want to sit down for this one? You were right. Keep sitting. I was wrong. And will you forgive me? These are some of the best ways to steward well. What relationship doesn't do well when you say you were right, I was wrong, will you forgive me? What situation doesn't help you grow in your stewardship when you say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how to solve that. Or, can you help me? I see that you stored this area really, really well in your life. Will you help me? The antidote. The antidote to pride is humility. I, uh, I asked uh, my friend uh, Kyle, wonder, he's going to college and he's studying uh, the effects of, of uh, our impact on, on this creation. That's, that's what he's studying in college. Uh, while many of us in the room may wonder about the, maybe the politics or, or, or maybe other aspects of uh, climate change, for him, it's a no-brainer. Yep, we're making an impact, folks. And so I don't know a lot in this area, so I went to him, I'm like, hey, what are some simple ways that we can steward creation better? What's the common person? What are some things we can do? So here, here's some of his thoughts. Uh, seasonal or local fruit consumption. Uh, you could even include this uh, with, with meat. Go to a local guy that has a cow and uh, you know, split up between a couple of families, butcher it. Uh, better for the environment. Growing fruit halfway around the world and then shipping it to Missoula has a huge impact on the environment. Going to the farmer's market and bringing it home has less of an impact. Simple things. Um, shop for a second, shop for clothes at a secondhand store. And, and he suggests the local secondhand stores. Uh, he's got his reasons. We'll probably talk about that in footnotes. But clothing, specifically fast fashion, is responsible for 10% of all emissions globally. Now, I'm not that fashionable, so I'm not having that big of an impact, but <laughs> my, my fashion is very slow. Doesn't change over 40 years. <laughs> but can you imagine 10%? of the global emissions is because we got to look a certain way. Number three, pretend you don't have a car for one day out of the week. Either, either work from home that day and don't go in, like do some remote work or carpool or ride your bike or move closer to work and walk. 
Number four, he says, spend some time outdoors. If you, if you don't ever appreciate the world around you, you, you won't want to take care of it. Number five, pick up the mask. Uh, I assume that this is a campus problem. I don't walk around town seeing masks on the ground. But he's, he's just talking about like, I know you didn't throw that garbage on the ground, but will you pick it up? Are you humble enough to just pick up somebody else's garbage so that our world, our Missoula is a little better place? Uh, number six, I, again, I think this is a college thing, but uh, reuse notebooks. Uh, my wife is actually very good at this. Me, not so much. Um, I, this is my notebook. <laughs> uh, but there's things that we can reuse. We should reuse. We, tr- we should try to get as much life out of the things that we have. Number seven, uh, go, go, go vegan. Uh, he says, I'm not going to tell you to go vegan, but consider where your food, the food you, you're eating comes from. This come, kind of connects to the number one about trying to buy locally sourced foods. And then if you talk to the n- nutritionist that uh, Al and I love so much, um, the less prepared, the better. Like make it yourself way better for you. If it comes in the box, the sodium content, and you have to throw away the box or you have to do something with that box, compost, something. I th- He didn't say composting. I thought he was going to say composting. He didn't. So that's, that's another area. Um, so the last thing he says is don't hate yourself. Don't hate yourself. Just make some changes. Jacob went to replace some light bulbs on s- this week. And uh, he didn't know how to dispose of them. So he put them up on the on the dryer, and I'm like, why aren't we just throwing this away? And then I realized, oh, wait, these are CFLs. And I didn't know what to do with the CFL. I just knew that you probably shouldn't throw them in the garbage can. Uh, apparently, Ace and Home Depot and Lowe's, they will take them. So the next time I drive by one of those three fine establishments, I'm taking my CFLs with me. I learned something I didn't know. Uh, and it's because of my son. Isn't that great? We can learn from each other if we choose to be humble. And we can make each other better in this area of, in this call to stewardship. My friends, as Christ followers, stewardship is a calling. It's something, it, 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 it's not a, to be or, or not to be. Should I be a steward? Should I not be a steward? I don't know. Can I get back to you next week? Um, Jesus, 40% of his, his sermons, his, his stories are about stewardship. It, it goes clear back to Genesis. It's not if we are going to be stewards, it's, it's how can we grow? How can we get better? What areas do I not steward myself well? What areas am I not steward my relationships well? Who is hearing about the gospel from me and, not, and who's not? 
Who have I just not been paying attention to? Or, or does it seem too scary to, to, to steward to get the gospel there? I could do it on Sundays, but boy, the other days of the week, eek. Creation. What's my role? What's my response? What's God calling me to, to do as a steward of, of creation? And what I think we'll find is a humility and faithfulness. Humility and faith are two of our greatest tools when it comes to becoming the kind of steward that God's calling us to in these five areas. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church/give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.